Uh, we're in the middle of a little series on uh, the ministry of the Holy Spirit. And uh, the reason we are is because this has always been something that we've longed to be central in the life of our church. As we said a little while ago, the main reason is because uh, the Holy Spirit always points to the Father and to Jesus. But also, uh, the Holy Spirit is given to equip us uh, to serve Jesus in this world. And he releases gifts to us. They're called the gifts of the Spirit, uh, so that we may be able to do that effectively and with power. And as Andy mentioned, uh, today uh, we're going to be looking at the gift of prophecy. Uh, now, first of all, I just want to say, and I always say this, and I sometimes think, oh, you say it every time, you don't need to say it this time. But the one time I don't say it will be the time that it was really important to say it. So I will always say it. Paul says in 1 Corinthians 14 verse 1, make love your aim and eagerly desire the spiritual gifts, especially the gift of prophecy. And the emphasis is make love your aim. And uh, if you don't make love your aim, then please don't eagerly desire the spiritual gifts, especially the gift of prophecy. Because if you don't make love your aim and you receive one of those gifts, uh, and you grow in it, you'll, you'll use it to damage people. And I've seen that. And so, and so it's, this is always in the context of love. This is always in the context of love. And this is always in the context of loving other people and blessing other people. The gifts of the Spirit are not given to make us look good. Uh, they're made to bless others. They're made to bring life. They're, ma- they're meant to bring life to others. So, uh, prophecy is a gift that is given. It's an anointing that comes, an anointing of the Spirit. But it's not just that. There's two parallel things. And, and even as I say it, I'm not completely sure how these fit together. And, and the thing is, the reason for that is it's not a mathematical equation. It's about relationship. The gift of prophecy is a gift that is a gift, free gift from the Spirit but also every child of God, it has as our birthright the, the, the ability to hear God's voice. If, you can't, if you've never heard God's voice, you can't be a Christian. Because how could you possibly have come to Jesus if you had never heard uh, of him, if he had never drawn you to himself? And, and so uh, to hear God speak is for everyone. The whole church of Jesus. In the Old Testament, God anointed a few to be prophets, priests, and kings. And he also anointed a donkey, which keeps us humble. Uh, but in the, in, in, in the New Testament, uh, we read the fulfilling of the prophecy of Joel. That God would pour out his spirit on all flesh, on all God's people. And so we will all be able to enter into these things. So I want to get the balance of of talking about it's a gift we receive, but also it's a relationship we grow in. Um, First of all, I just want to look at two scriptures from the Acts of the Apostles, because uh, there's so many scriptures we could look at for this. I mean, so many. The whole Bible, the whole Bible is an account of God speaking prophetically to his people. It's everywhere, from Genesis to Revelation. 
And it would be easy to look at, and quite right, to look at Jesus as an example. But the thing about looking at with Jesus is people sometimes say, oh yeah, but that was Jesus. He was different. So I always like looking at stories from the Acts of the Apostles because it's ordinary Christians just like us. And so it's not so easy to get yourself off the hook by saying, it was Jesus. I know what you're like. And I want to start uh, in uh, Acts chapter 3, beginning at verse 1. One day, Peter and John were going up to the temple at the time of prayer at three in the afternoon. Now a man who was lame from birth was being carried to the temple gate called Beautiful, where he was put every day to beg from those going into the temple courts. When he saw Peter and John about to enter, he asked them for money. Peter looked straight at him, as did John. Then Peter said, look at us. So the man gave them his attention, expecting to get something from them. Then Peter said, stealing this from a a Sunday school song, silver or gold I do not have, but what I do have I give you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, walk. Taking him by the right hand, he helped him up and instantly the man's feet and ankles became strong. He jumped to his feet and began to walk. Then he went with them into the temple courts, walking and jumping and praising God. I love that story. But there's one thing about that story that doesn't come out in the version that I just read to you, the the NIV. And every version has a few things that... They don't translate it perfectly. And sometimes the ones that are done by committees... Uh, they can miss something um, uh, very important. And it's verse three. When he saw, sorry, no, verse four, Peter looked straight at him. It says in the NIV. Um, in, in the other versions, the RSV and other versions, and the, the more correct translation, if we want to get into a little bit of, of detail, is Peter looked at him intently. Now, you can be thinking, asking yourself right now, well, what the heck's the difference? That's splitting hairs. Peter looked straight at him and Peter looked at him intently. The point of Peter looked at him intently, it was like a double take. You know, there were lots of beggars begging at Gate Beautiful, as they were at the other gates, particularly this gate, because it was one of the main entrances to the temple. They would sit there, they'd be brought there and they'd spend the day there. So there were loads around, so he was begging, and Peter, that beggar, took Peter's attention. And it was like he looked at him intently. He, there was a second look, what's going on here? And then he spoke to him, and he said, I haven't got silver or gold, but that which I have I give you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, walk. Now, he didn't say that to everyone. And I believe with all my heart, I'm sure that was a prophetic word. God whispered to Peter, this guy at this time. This is what I want you to do with this guy at this time. And that's how it works. So often it's a little nudge. It's a little nudge. and, And so often we miss what God is saying out there because we have only an expectancy that he will speak in here, don't we? I know that can be the truth for me. And, and so often we're not aware of those little nudges, those little whispers from the Lord, because we're not 
paying attention. Another story that I love. This is one of my favourites. I come back to it again and again. Philip and the Ethiopian eunuch. We find this in Acts chapter 8, beginning at verse 26. I'm just going to read you a bit of it. <coughs> now, an angel of the Lord said to Philip, go, as, as they do, you know, just an angel, go south to the, the road, the desert road, that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. So he started out, and on his way, he met an Ethiopian eunuch, an important official in charge of all the tre treasury of Kandake, which means Queen of the Ethiopians. This man had gone to Jerusalem to worship and on his way home was sitting in his chariot reading the book of Isaiah the prophet. The Spirit, the Holy Spirit, told Philip, go to that chariot and stay near it. Then Philip ran up to the chariot and heard the man reading Isaiah the prophet. Do you understand what you're reading? Philip asked. How can I, he said unless someone explains it to me. So he invited Philip uh, to come and to sit with him. And Philip interpreted the scripture. The guy gave his life to Jesus, became a Christian. They found a puddle and Philip baptized him in the puddle. Now, some bits in the scripture are left to our interpretation. We're not told how deep the puddle is, And how deep the puddle is in your belief depends on how Anglican you are or how Baptist you are. If you're an Anglican, it was, it doesn't matter. Um, but uh, they found some water and he was baptized. So many things I love about that story. It's a combination, a wonderful combination of Holy Spirit speaking prophetically and sheer common sense. And so often, it's both. Don't, don't divide them. Don't throw away common sense for the Spirit or the Holy Spirit for common sense. It's a combination of both. There was, there was Phil, minding his own business, reading the Jerusalem Herald, or whatever it was he was reading. And then the Lord speaks to him, go down to the Gaza Road and wait there. It doesn't say that he knew what he was to wait for. Phil didn't know, but he was obedient with his partial revelation. And that's an act of faith. Sometimes we have to be obedient when we don't know why. We don't see it all. And it's in the obedience that we find out why. So often we don't find out why because we won't step out in obedience. It's in that place that we think, oh, now I get what you were on about. Now I know why, Lord. And there's a place of faith in doing that. So he's there. And then there's some chariots. And the Lord, was, the Spirit says to Philip, and it would, have been, it would have been a whisper inside him. It would have been a prompting, an urging. It would have been a double take. Uh, go, go, and, um, go and stand by that chariot. And Phil, I don't know why, but I will. And then... He hears the Ethiopian eunuch reading aloud from the prophet Isaiah. And then, he, now at this point, the Holy Spirit doesn't need to say to him, Philip, ask him if he understands what he's reading. Because you see, the Holy Spirit knew that Peter was thick, but not that thick. And so the Holy Spirit was like, now I'm not going to tell you 
what to do in everything here. Now you work this bit out for yourself. I've brought you from your house to the Gaza road. I've put you by this chariot. This guy is reading from the prophet Isaiah. Could there be a reason behind this? See if you pass your GCSE in prophecy. And Phil does it. Do you understand what you're reading? No, unless someone can interpret it for me. Well, as it happens... And then the Ethiopian eunuch comes to Christ. And what I love about this story so much, I love this bit, is the Ethiopian eunuch was coming back from Jerusalem. He went from Ethiopia to the temple in order to worship and he was coming back. And he would have been coming back a disappointed man because according to the law, according to the rules, eunuchs were not allowed into the temple to worship. They were banned. So he would have come all the way and he would have been rejected and he was on his way back. So God, our wonderful God, our gracious God, our kind and compassionate and merciful God, he arranges for one of his kids, Phil, to be waiting there and to explain to him and to say to him, God accepts you. God loves you. God is for you. And we have a wonderful conversion. And it is a bit of a legend. No one can prove it. But many suggest um, that that the the Ethiopian unit went back to Ethiopia. And that's where the church in Ethiopia started. You know, the the, the Coptic church, which is one of the oldest churches in the world, group of churches in Ethiopia. So, prophecy is a gift that we're, that we're to eagerly desire. And it says eagerly desire, and that's take, that takes the ground away from those of us that try and be a little bit more spiritual than God, and some of us do, don't we? And say, well, others may desire the gifts, the toys, the trinkets, but I'm of a different spiritual place. I desire you, the giver. And Jesus, the giver, it's like you want to say, oh, no, oh, no, Come off it. Come off it. I, the giver, am telling you through my book to eagerly desire my gifts because that's exactly how you're going to meet me, the giver. Eagerly desire, especially prophecy. Especially. And so, how do we eagerly desire? A whole part of it I want to suggest is learning to listen And in our culture and in our Western world, where we're all rushing around looking for petrol stations with actual petrol in them, or rushing around to do this, that or the other, we're not very good at making time to listen, at making space to listen. So how do we do that? How do we grow in this? Um, Now this next bit, I've been hesitant about whether saying this, because it can sound a little bit mystical, and it's not mystical. It's really, really earthy and practical. Um, But bear with me. I'm not sure I'm going to explain this very well. Um, The Holy Spirit comes, and he speaks first, and he ministers first to our spirit, to our spirit. Before he speaks to our mind, or, or our eyes, or our ears, or any other way, he speaks to our spirit. And it's a spirit to spirit thing. 
And, and, and so often in the church, if we're honest, in, in much of the church of Jesus, <clears throat> sorry, we operate in the flesh. And it's all about our good works. It's all about our effort. It's all about our abilities. Uh, I'm going to say this, and it sounds really harsh, and I don't mean it harsh. It's just an example. I was in a church years and years and years ago where uh, the, the preaching, you know, it was sound. There was nothing wrong with it. It was, it was biblically correct, but it was flipping dead. It was like, please finish please finish. And I was praying that within two minutes of the beginning. And I know some of you are praying that right now and you need to repent. But it was, it was, it was like, it was, it just didn't do anything. It just, it just fell to the ground and you could feel it. You could just feel it. And, and that's an extreme example of, of, of what happens when we operate simply out of our own flesh Someone years ago, a great evangelist called David Watson, years and years and years ago, challenged the church of Jesus. And he said, if the Holy Spirit left your church, would anybody notice? That's a really good question, isn't it? That's a really good question. Is it so much of us? And I'm not saying that God doesn't use our intelligence or our good looks He's used me in amazing ways. Um, he does, I'm not saying God doesn't use. It, it's it's got to be under, under the anointing of the Spirit. So how do we grow that, that spirit to spirit thing? Um, uh, God does speak to our mind, our renewed mind. And he renews our mind by his Spirit. This is a relationship. This is a relationship. And how do we, here's the big question, how do we operate more from the Spirit in our spirit and less from our flesh? The answer, I'm afraid to say, is flipping obvious. And it's not what we want to hear. Spend time in His presence. Spend time in His presence. There's no shortcut. And sometimes we want the magic and sometimes we want the excitement and sometimes we want the magic bullet and sometimes that's why we flock to the latest craze or the latest thing. And the answer is in relationship. Spend time in his presence. I love the story of Joshua. Joshua, who didn't have a dad or a mum because, you know, he was... Joshua, son of Nun. Okay. I, um, those on the live stream, look away now. Listen, church, I don't mind if you don't get the joke. That's fine. Because you're not on my intellectual level. There are some jokes you won't get. I will, I do mind when you groan like you just did. And I know most of the groans came from this bit here. I hope you're happy in your new church next week. Joshua, Joshua. When Moses went to the tabernacle to 
to meet with the Lord or to the top of a mountain to hear from the Lord. He would hear from the Lord and then he would come out. And more than once it says, Joshua stayed in the tabernacle all night in the presence of the Lord. Josh couldn't get enough of the presence of the Lord. He longed for the presence of the Lord. And I think that was the secret to his later success. Because when we read the beginning of Joshua, we read how Joshua was, um, was timid. He was frightened. The Lord had to keep saying to him, do not be afraid. But you know, the thing that got him through is he knew his God. He knew his God. He had been in his presence. Um, how, do we, how, do, how, do we, how do we dwell in his presence? Again, guys, it's, it's, the, it's the obvious stuff. Pray, pray, spend time talking to him. Just spend time listening to him, just, just being with him, talking to him. Now, some of us, some of, some of us, we find it hard to spend 45 minutes or half an hour a day in a, a traditional quiet time, you know, where, you know, just because we're not, maybe not built that way, or that's our excuse. But some of us, there are some of us in this church, we don't have a problem talking and talking and talking and talking to other people. There are some of us, we talk and talk and talk and talk and talk and talk. And all we do is we just chat and chat and we can spend the entire day. We can spend the entire day. Yes, get, off, get, get her the close-up. We can spend an entire day chatting away to other people. Well, if we can do that to other people, why don't we, why don't we do that with the Lord. Now that's a joke, I'm not saying it's just plain. But, and at the back. Yeah, well you knew I was gonna do that because you felt guilty. Because you're convicted. You know, if we do that, if we do that with other people, it's the same thing. You can chat with him wherever you are, in little short bursts, in Sainsbury's, in the queue for petrol. Instead of swearing in your head, yes, I know this section. Instead of swearing in your head, how about you talk to Jesus instead? You might get more petrol that way. Have you thought of that? It's chatting with him as you're walking, as you're having a shower. And one of the great ways for me, one of the ways that, has been huge for me. I don't want to overstate this, but it's huge for me, um, is praying in tongues. And Andy's going to be talking about that in a couple of weeks' time, two or three weeks' time. And we're going to make space for anyone who wants to, to pray for you to receive the gift of tongues. The gift of praying in a language you haven't learned, whether it's of, of human beings or angelic or whatever it is. And for me, it, it has been huge it, and, and, and not because praying in tongues is, is somehow magic. It's because it's, it's, for me, it's an easy way of praying. Because I can pray without having to use my, my brain. And when you have only so much in there, you, you don't, you know, you, you've got to spare it. So, so you can pray in tongues again. You know, when you're driving, you can pray in tongues wherever you are. I remember there was a, a time years ago 
when uh, I was going down to Somerset uh, to speak at a meeting and Andy came with me and um, he, he had the idea before we started that for the two and a half hour journey to Somerset, um, we, we would pray in tongues all the way. And at first I thought, he's really spiritual. And then I realised what it was. He just didn't want to have a conversation. And so when we started, we started praying in tongues out loud. And the first five minutes, it felt a little bit awkward. But do you know, halfway down on the A303, we, the two of us, we started laughing. We, and not because we'd heard a joke, but because we were just, the, the, we were just overwhelmed with his presence. And then, seriously, two-thirds of the way down, I was thinking, this car could explode with the presence of the Lord. And when we got to the meeting, I tell you, I was ready. I was hot. I was God's man of faith and power. Maybe not quite. That's how I remember it. Maybe it wasn't quite like that. But the truth is, the truth is, we just spent time with him in relationship, in his presence. And that's how we learn to listen to his voice. The more, the more you know someone, the more you recognize their voice when they speak. It's the way it is. Even if it's faint, it's like, I recognize that. Is that you, Lord Jesus? It is, isn't it? I thought so, because I've spent a lot of time talking with you and listening to you and reading your book. And I know how you speak. My sheep hear my voice and they recognize my voice. That's what he says in John chapter something. My mind's just gone blank. All right, before you point to me, what, what chapter is that then? 10. Did you get that right? You did, didn't you? So annoying. <laughs> and, and, and that's the truth. It, as his sheep, we, we recognize his voice. And also, obviously, spending time in the word. Now, God, God speaks in many ways. And, and it has, has in Hebrews, ultimately through his son. And, and some have said that, well, that means the gift of prophecy stopped because now he used to speak in those ways and now he speaks through his son. He only speaks through his son. But the way he speaks through his son is through prophetic words. It's through the scripture. It's through circumstances. It's through one another. It's in lots of ways, always through his son. And it's ridiculous how some people would split that up. But that's another story. So spend time in the word. And yet the way we judge prophetic words is are they in accordance with the word? If they contradict what he has already spoken, the Bible, well, Jesus is God's ultimate revelation, but the Bible is God's ultimate revelation of Jesus and everything we need to know for life and conduct and faith. And so, and so everything gets tested by the book. But the more we spend time with him, again, like I said, the more we will hear. Worship him. Pursue him, pursue him. In um, in uh, Psalm eighty four, verse ten, uh, the psalmist says, "Better is one day 
in your house, in your courts, than a thousand elsewhere. Another way to translate it is, better is one day in your presence than a thousand anywhere else. That's where the psalmist had got to. And I love the way this psalm begins. I'm just going to read it. How lovely is your dwelling place, Lord Almighty. And I, I, I ask myself, I ask you as I ask myself, is, can I say that? Can I say that with integrity? It, is it true that I believe that, that I feel that? How lovely is your dwelling place? My soul yearns, even faints for the courts of the Lord. My heart and my flesh cry out for the living God. My heart and my flesh cry out for the living God. One of the songs, Tom, that we sang, um, oh, it was, um, which one was it? I'm desperate for you. How does that go? Begin. Don't sing it. This is the air I breathe. This is the air I breathe. Um, can we put that up? Yeah. Oh, it's there. Scroll. Your holy presence living in me. Scroll. This is my daily bread. This is my daily bread. Scroll. Your very word spoken to me. Scroll. And I am desperate for you. And I, I'm lost without you. Boy, that's words. That's, that's good lyrics. I don't know who wrote that. Should just scroll one more just to see? Or is that the end of it? Oh, it's the end of it. <laughs> but you see, do we long? Do we long? And you know what? We grow longing by being with him. The more we spend our time in his courts, in his house, in his presence, the more we see his beauty, the more we experience his beauty, the more his spirit grows our spirit and the more capacity we have, the more we have capacity we have to know him and to listen to his voice as we come into land. 80% of prophecy says our friend Wayne Drain is simply paying attention. Let's learn to pay attention. And that happens with expectancy. How expectant are we that God will speak. In Romans 12, verse 6, we read these words. We prophesy according to our faith. And there's an element of, of, of expectancy. I remember asking years ago, uh, this guy, Blaine Cook, who God used and uses in amazing ways. And I've, I've watched him for years, just God using him in incredible ways. And I remember asking him, a bit annoyed. And I said, why is it that God uses you a lot more than he uses me? That God, God does more when you pray than when I pray. And he said to me, do you really want to know the answer to that question? And I said, yes, I think. And then he said, because I have a high expectation that God will use me. You don't. You don't. And you see, when you have a high expectation, when you're praying for someone, at the front here. And we want everyone, we want this to be for everyone. You know, when, when you're praying for someone, 
you, you'll, you'll be asking from the beginning. You know, there's two ways of praying. We said the other week, you can either kill it with words, oh, no, 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 or you can just stand there with your hand hovering over the person and just kind of for five minutes before you wander off. And that doesn't do a lot of good, you know? Another way is, right, Lord, what are you wanting to do? What are you wanting to say? What, and not, and, and the, the wrong question is, are you doing anything? The correct question is, what are you doing? Do you see expectancy? What are you doing, Lord? And so you're watching. You're watching the person. You're asking in your heart, Lord, is there anything you want me to say? Is there anything you want me to ask? Is there anything that you're particularly doing? Lord, I, I pray from their head to their feet, would you fill them? Will you, would you overwhelm them? And Lord, if, if you give me something, I'll say, I'll make love my aim. I'll eagerly desire. And then I'll prophesy according to my faith. And I'll step out. And the way it works is like this. It's like you're standing um, on a, a diving board about to jump into a swimming pool and you look down and you see the swimming pool is empty and you say, Lord, before I dive, could you fill the swimming pool with water? And the Lord says, no, dive and trust that by the time you get to the bottom, I'll have filled the swimming pool with water. It's, it's a wonderful adventure. And if you make love your aim and you say it humbly and you get it wrong, Nobody dies. I was just wondering, um, are, you, are, you, are you feeling like this right now? Is this what's been going on in your life? Um, not really. Oh, okay, that's fine. We'll just carry on praying. Do you see? But the more you do it, the more you find, oh, it was the Lord. It was the Lord. And do you know a great way to start? I forgot to say this in the first service. I need to go back in time. A great way to start is by asking the Lord to guide your prayers. If it's really hard to say, I think the Lord might be saying, ask the Lord. That's, how I, that's what I did years ago. An amazing, a wonderful, holy um, uh, Benedictine monk called Dom Benedict. He said to me, Mike, a way to start is by asking the Lord to pray through you and to guide your prayers. And I would say every time, Lord, in a prayer meeting, would you give me, Holy Spirit, would you give me prayers to say? And do you know what? I found myself saying a couple of prayers that really impressed me. It was like, whoa, whoa. And I just knew it was God's Spirit through my Spirit. Start there. Pray in the Spirit. Pray in the Spirit. And then the rest will come. That was a test to see if you two could remember. I think what we'll do then, seeing as you can't remember how I finished last time, I just know there was something else. That was... No, we're going to stop there. <laughs> Well, if I was starting. Yes, John. John, you're fired. Um, John, 
very quickly. Reasons we want to, reasons we want to grow in this. Reasons we want to grow in this is, first of all, because it glorifies Jesus. It really does. Also, because it sets people free. It sets people free. I've seen it again and again and again. Like Ethiopian eunuchs. We may not find an Ethiopian eunuch in the queue for petrol. But we'll find some folk who feel like Watford eunuchs right now. Because they feel powerless. And so we just need to have all of that. And also, um, just so you can be praying, this Thursday, we're going to have a little gathering of about 21 other church leaders are coming to here that we've asked, folk that we love and that we've had relationship with for a long time, to talk about whether, well, to talk about starting a little family of churches. Not, not a denomination, not anything like that, but just based on friendship and common values where we can serve together, encourage each other, plant churches together. And, we're, and, and also, part of that is we want to start sending teams out from here to other churches. We've had invitations all the time, but we haven't been able to do it. And not teams led by myself or Andy, but teams led by other people in the church to go and do church weekends, to do a Saturday for a church, and, and to go and to speak and lead worship and pray for people and introduce them to the ministry of the Spirit. And to do that well... We need loads of people in this church to really grow in hearing God. And above all, it's about out there. It's about on the streets of Watford. It's about, it's about at the checkout in Sainsbury's. Lord, I have an expectancy that you might want to say something here. It's about the checkout in Asda. Lord, are you wanting to say something here? And if you are a wealthy member of this church, it's about the checkout in Waitrose. <laughs> Lord, are you wanting to say something here? Obviously, he'll never do it at Lidl. <laughs> that's a joke, that's a joke. <laughs> 